Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious clean rooms, upscale dining, and the grandest payouts. Now offering stay and play and all in packages, including $50 free slot play, VIP parking, VIP casino access, and more. Book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929. At Arundel Mills, must be 21, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back, listener. How are you doing tonight? How are you doing this evening? I am glad you're doing well, and I'm glad you had a good week. Welcome back to Aaron's Opinion the podcast for blind people, where we talk about critical issues in the blindness community. By the way, everything you will hear this evening is my opinion, and by the way, copywritten by Aaron Richmond and Aaron's Opinion. Thank you. Aaron's Opinion can be heard almost anywhere you get a podcast, from Apple to Spotify to Spreaker, you name it, we're probably there. Also, by the way, follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, too. This episode will be tweeted out. Hey, by the way, everybody, there's been a lot of positive um, interactions that I've been having on Twitter, and you know who you are out there. Two of you, two of my most recent guests, uh, one of of whom is from uh, somewhere in Europe, the other is from somewhere in North America. You both have been really kind to me, and you guys have been great on Twitter. Thank you. You know who you are. Well, never mind about those two. How about let's talk to Anastasia Danielle. She's blind, um, like so many of us around the world, and she's had a lot of interesting experiences in the kitchen. Now, you might, you guys, now you at home are remembering, wait a minute, Aaron, you just did this. So just a couple weeks ago, you and Stuart, you and Stuart Salek did, a, did an episode. We did. Well, I wanted to give um, Anastasia the chance to come onto my channel so that she can talk about all the great experiences she's had in the kitchen. And she also really likes to bake. Hi, Anastasia, how are you? I'm great, Aaron, how are you doing? Fine, doing well, hanging in there. Let's get into this. So how did you get into the kitchen in the first place? Go ahead. Well, I started to get really, really, really hungry. (laughs) So um, I've been living with blindness for a little over 10 years now. Now you, uh, good, good. Okay, now by, by the way, um, so as I said, you know, 30 seconds ago, I just said hi to you. Hi, my name's Aaron Richmond. I forget if I've told you, because as I just said, I talk to so many people. I talk, I talk to so many guests for this podcast. It's all what I do and don't say. I forget everything I do and don't say. <laughs> so I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll uh, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm repeating, if I'm repeating myself, Sorry, you're going to hear me repeat myself. But I was born blind with glaucoma. And I've spoken to a lot of people around the world who have become blind later on in life. Um, mm-hmm. And it must be really difficult on one hand. On the other, I cannot understand that. Philosophically, I cannot understand what it must be like to go blind later on in life. Why don't you start actually back it up a little bit and tell us how you lost your vision, because you just gave the impression that you were born sighted and then lost your vision later. If you want, go ahead and tell us. Um, Yes, I I was born fully sighted and I remained fully sighted until I would say 14, 15, 16, that that range. Um, I have Stargardt's disease, which is a rare form of macular um, degeneration. And what that does is it affects your central vision, um, which is the part of the eye that's responsible for focus and clarity. 
So um, I, I noticed one day, and it was ninth grade. I had just oh, gotten God. into high school. <laughs> I had just gotten into this high is, school, yes. <laughs> let, me, let, me, let me take a wild guess. I don't want to become blind to the first year of high school. That's, this, sounds, this sounds horrible. I, that oh. sounds like the worst time to have this happen. Yeah. It was traumatic. <laughs> but I, I noticed that I was having a hard time seeing the board. So I started sitting in the front of the class and all of my classes pretty much. And I noticed that I wouldn't look at the board anyway, even though I was sitting right in the front, I would just listen and write down all my notes. And I, I didn't really think about it too much because the vision loss was actually very, very, very slow. So what ended up happening was I gradually adapted to not being able to see. And because it was so slow, I didn't notice. I just thought it was normal. So that's, that's real. That's bizarre. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm, well, well, for one thing from, from the bottom of my heart, I'm, I, on one hand, I'm sorry. Um, on the other, as you have probably discovered, this is life mm -hmm. when you're blind, you know, for some right. reason, these things happen. The, the other thing, uh, and l listener, you're, you, when you're playing this episode, you're going to say, Aaron, you're repeating yourself a lot tonight because I know I've asked this question to another mm -hmm. guest. So because I can't really describe what I see, Anastasia, okay. it's really hard for me to conceptualize this, you know, uh, to understand mm -hmm. this. So is it like, can you even try to describe it to me? Is it like you're sitting there and like slowly, like the vision kind of dissipates or just becomes less, less present like mm -hmm. how would you even describe it is there any way to express it really this there's, loss of vision uh, there's really i mean i can explain it now but as it was happening i just i just didn't know um because it was so slow i was like oh this is what people must see you know it's it's very it's hard to explain it's so hard to explain but um to explain my vision now it would be like putting on a pair of goggles and then wrapping the goggles like a hundred times in saran wrap and then smearing Vaseline all over the goggles. It's just extremely blurry. I still have peripheral vision and not a lot of people know this, but peripheral vision um, is not sharp or, or clear. It's mainly used to detect movement. So I still have that, but it's just, it's very, everything's very blurry. Huh. Okay. So then what happened? So this vision did this weird thing and then what? Um, well, I was going to a Catholic school at the time and um, we had to get, you know, like a routine eye check at school. So um, I went into the nurse's office and she had told me that I had to go to the eye doctor immediately because with my results, there was no way that I was functioning properly. So I, I texted my dad and told him that, to come and pick me up from school. So he did, we made an eye doctor appointment and um, I went to my physician and he thought I was making everything up on my eye exam. Uh, he didn't have a very good bedside manner, to say the least. Um, I, I was reading the eye chart, you know, as, as he wanted me to. 
And he started to get really upset with me. And he was telling me, you know, this isn't funny. Um, you're never going to be able to drive. You're never going to be able to go to college. You're never going to be able to do this or that. And at that point, you know, I'm 15 years old. I'm, you know, so excited to get my permit and all these new things. And I just started to cry. And I remember he just kind of, he stopped talking and he said that he would be right back. And he ran into one of the offices and made a couple phone calls and then he came back and um, I had to go see a bunch of other doctors and go to children's hospitals until we finally figured out that I have this rare disease. Um, not a lot of people have it. I think it's one in every 13,000 people have Stargardt's disease. Right. So, um, what ended up happening was I had to leave the Catholic school that I was attending because um, they told me that they couldn't provide me with the services that I was going to need um, as I was losing my sight. So in ninth grade, I lost like half of my sight at first. I had to change schools. It was, there was a lot going on. It was pretty rough. And then, right, yeah. Yeah, and, and then I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. <laughs> um, and then it just, it continued to get worse until it's like 20, I'm 28 now. So it's, it's been, it's been a long and windy road, but um, my visual acuity now is 2400 with my peripherals. Hmm. <clears throat> well, um, so obviously blind people do go to college. So mm -hmm. um, how did you, what, what was the end result with the rest of your um, education and you go and you pursuing college and things like that? Well, I, I took a little break after high school because it was, it was really hard for me to maneuver through the school system at the time, it, it, it was just, everything was hard. Um, trying to figure out my books, trying to figure out what I wanted to do because I had wanted to be a nurse or a doctor or a veterinarian. And I was told that I would never be able to do those things. So I had to completely reframe what it was I wanted to do as a career. Um, and I remember I had to study as soon as I came home from school, I had to study from like 3.30 till 8 o'clock just so I could get C's. And it, it was because of everything that was going on. It wasn't because I didn't like school because I loved school before that happened. But um, so I, I took a couple years off after high school and I decided to go back to school uh, to get my undergraduate degree in um liberal studies and community services. I'm a junior this year. I'm almost done. I'm so excited to be done because it's, it's been a lot of work, but I'm so happy that I went back to school because it's something I've always wanted to do regardless of anybody telling me that I can or can't do it. I wanted to prove to myself that I could. And I would actually like to 
get my master's degree or doctorate degree in psychology and become a um, licensed therapist. Good. Absolutely perfect. So why are you a good therapist? If someone finds out that you're a therapist in the future, <laughs> why should why should they listen to you? Why should they listen to me? Well, I, I feel that I'm a very good listener. Um, I, I listen to people to understand them rather to, you know, just give a response. Um, I, I, I just feel that I'm very empathetic with everything that I have gone through. And I, I understand that life is very, very hard, but you don't have to stay in that energy of life is terrible. Why did this happen to me? You can always look past that and do better. Right, exactly. And someone who went back to school when a doctor said that you wouldn't be able to do those things, that's someone, that person, <laughs> that therapist is someone that we should, that we should listen to. So I agree. I agree. And you seem, you seem to have a really, a really great personality um, for talking to people and listening to people. I mean, you don't, you don't know me. I don't know you, but you just basically came out of the blue and came, mm -hmm. came onto my show without even knowing me. I mean, you know, you didn't, you don't really know anything about my show apart from maybe a couple of things that I've mentioned right. outside of that. This is for you. You're just on some guy's show. You don't really know who I am. So that takes a lot of courage to which I greatly respect you for that. It takes a lot of courage to be on someone's, someone else's podcast that you don't even really know. So that's all, all putting all of that together. I think, yeah, I think that would be a very reasonable, a, a really good career. Sure. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I, I was really nervous um, coming on here because I'm a bit of a shy person, but that's understandable. I, I really, I, I believe in what you're doing. Um, there, and I'm sure that, you know, you know, because you've, you've gone through, I'm sure many struggles as well, but it's, yeah. it's hard and there's not a lot of resources. There's a lot more than there used to be. Absolutely. But there's a lot of misinformation. There's not always a lot of support and it can feel really right. lonely and overwhelming. It does. It, it, you know what? Everything guys, I, I hope you're listening to this episode because everything that Anastasia just said is, is a hundred percent accurate. And there there's precisely that there. The problem is, and I have told my students this before, we have three different problems. There's the problem of, of information, the problem of misinformation, and the problem of disinformation. And then the fourth <laughs> problem, the people who talk about the information, misinformation, and disinformation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that a it's, lot. <laughs> well, do you know, do you know, I, I love talking about the differences. Do you know what the difference is between information, misinformation, and disinformation? Um, I, I, I could take a guess on the first two, but um, go ahead and explain it because I, that's very interesting. In, information, information, it would be, for example, a fact. For example, right now, listener at home, you're, you're listening to Aaron's opinion. That's the name of this podcast. And my name is Aaron Richmond. It's a fact. There's, there's nothing, well, there's always going to be a listener that can imagine that they're listening to someone else, but that's not the reality. <laughs> reality is my name is Aaron Richmond. You're listening to Aaron's opinion. That's a fact. That's information. Misinformation um, 
would be if someone said, if someone said the sentence, if, so, if two people were in a room and they were listening to Aaron's opinion and they said, and one of them said, I'm listening to Aaron Richards, Aaron's opinions. That would be misinformation. Right, right. Because they got it wrong, but accidentally. They kind of messed up the, the, the spelling of my name. They kind of jumbled it up. Right. But if they said, um, now, of course, I'm not going to do it. But let me, let me I, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get us too, too off track. But if they said, they're, if they said we're listening to um, a totally different podcast, and they gave a totally different name, and they did that on purpose, that would be disinformation because they gave a statement with the intent of providing wrong information. So how does all of this, so that, that, that's the difference, now you know. Mm -hmm. And we see it every day out in the wild, you know, in the media, in our lives, in society. Now, the, the question that a listener should ask is, well, Aaron, why, why on earth, why on earth would you be talking about this? And really, how does this relate to blindness? relates to blindness because we have a lot of information, misinformation, and disinformation. For example, for example, when, when your doctor, when your doctor said you can't go to college, was that information, misinformation, or disinformation? Oh, that was absolutely disinformation. That was terrible. <laughs> it, close. It would be, I would say that's misinformation because he was trying to create a fact based on evidence that he saw, but he was slightly wrong. But because he was a doctor, he was trying to give helpful information. So he misinformed you. Uh, right, okay, I, I see. I so see that's where we get, in English, that's, in English mm -hmm. that's where we say, that person was really misinformed. That right. person was really misinformed. And the right. reason I wanna talk about this because it came up and because you brought it up is because until I got working, you know, um, for company X, which I've been working there for five years, uh, providing English uh, instruction online for five years, I never really understood when people tell me, you know, when I was growing up, my parents would always say, well, Aaron, sometimes people don't always get it right. Sometimes they're misinformed and you have to learn what the differences are and then you have to peel it apart and really figure it out and say, well, that person was just simply misinformed whether they intended to hurt me or not, well, who knows? But usually, mm -hmm. usually most people are, are either, most of the time people are misinformed about any, anything because very rarely do people know everything about something. So usually it's misinformation. So anyway, I think it's really important to set realistic goals and I think that you would be a, a, great, a great therapist. And I'm sure that there are listeners in the audience who are blind who are doctors and nurses. So it's a great chance for me to say. Um, if you wanna comment on this episode, comment below and let Anastasia know what she can do. Um, what are some really good, re really good resources and really good people that she should talk to. Or of course, you're too afraid to do it, but you could always email me aaronsopinion6 at gmail.com. All right then. Well, so I think all of that is really good. And then by the way, how did you get into the cooking and all of that? Where I actually saw the video of you baking the uh, bake shop cookies, I believe. Um, I, I actually, I started baking before I lost my vision. So I've, I've um, loved that since I was like 12 years old. And when I lost my vision, I got out of 
you know, baking and because I was depressed. I, I didn't really do anything that I liked to do until I learned how to deal with this vision loss. So um, actually this past year, I got myself really back into baking, not so much cooking, but I am getting better with that. Um, I just, I love to bake for holidays, for, you know, birthdays, for special events. Um, I find it to be very comforting. And um, I have found um, some tips and tricks that I think anybody listening here would, would benefit from. Um, I know I have burnt myself many, many times um, trying to um, put something in the oven. And I recently discovered these oven mitts, like they go up to your elbows. And it's nice because if you do have to use the oven, you're not burning yourself on the top of your arms. And um, I also use a crock pot a lot in my air fryer because I don't really like to use the oven because I have a gas oven and I don't feel super comfortable with the flame. So I, I started using those and um, I found that I like that a lot and I have been cooking a lot more. I did get a um, talking thermometer, a talking meat thermometer because um, I'm, I'm also colorblind as well. So I can never tell when meat is cooked. You know, people say, well, it's not pink anymore. I, I can't tell if it's pink. If it's brown, I'm not sure. So I got one of those at Amazon and I really like it a lot. I've been using it um, every week. I mostly use it with chicken because that's, that's something that you never want to eat, you know, undercooked. And um, no, I never, I never want to eat chicken when it's cooked properly. I eat too much chicken. Oh, come on. There's never too much chicken. <laughs> sure there is. Sure there is. So fed up with chicken. Oh, yeah. So fed up with chicken. Yes. do so many things with it. Oh, that's the one. You know what's better than chicken? Salmon, shrimp. There's seafood is so much, has so much better flavor. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't know about that. I, mm. I think it's because I've had smoked. Anytime I've ever had fish, it's been smoked. And I don't like that smoky flavor. I, I don't know about you, but I just don't I don't like it I see I see <laughs> so then you really got into baking can you um but before you do can you can you explain to us about an air fryer I've noticed in a lot of these groups that I'm on mm -hmm. people have been mentioning air fryers what how would you describe that from a blindness perspective well um it's like it's like a little tiny oven that sits on top of your counter and it has a pull-out tray, um, at least mine does. I know there's a million different kinds, but mine has a pull-out tray and I just kind of drop whatever, you know, I want to cook in there. Like I could put shrimp in it, I could put french fries in it, um, and I just pop it back in and you um, set the timer and it cooks it in like half the time and you don't have to stick your hands inside of an oven. You don't have to have your hands, you know, by an open flame um, on the stove if you do have a gas oven. And um, I just, I think they're safer. So like how, 
how big is it? What are the dimensions of this air fryer? Oh boy, the dimensions. You're getting technical on me. Um, it's, it's really not very big. It's like, it's like the size of a regular size coffee maker, like a Keurig. It's like that size. Okay, got, got you, got you. Right. So then how much food could it really make, you know? Or um, for like the smaller ones, you could probably cook for two people. Like you could throw two chicken breasts in there. Um, and um, before you throw them in, you would want to coat them in, in olive oil. And um, you would just throw it in the basket, put it in for 350. And since it cooks in half the time, um, you could put it in there for 20 minutes and it comes out juicy and it's not dry. And it's just, it's really nice. The cleanup is really nice. And it's a lot better than having to spray your oven out and, and clean your oven. You just throw it in the washing machine. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, good. And where did you find this particular product? Um, I mean, is there a particular version of this or model that you think is a really good, a really good one to have? Um, mine is, mine's a Hamilton Beach one. Um, they have so, they're so popularized now that there's, I think just about everybody makes them. You can get them at Walmart, Target, pretty much anywhere, Amazon. Um, cool. I got mine at Walmart. Cool. Well, that's good. I might, I might be in the market for one of these things pretty soon, actually. Oh, you never, nice. you never know. So, I mean, would you, would you highly recommend one? I mean, how much on a scale of one to 10, how much would you recommend an air fryer in the kitchen? Um, especially for a blind or um, low vision person, I would say 10. I, I would say up there with a crock pot, like you need one. <laughs> it's, it's like a staple. I see. Well, good, good. So it's not really a fryer if it's used like an oven. Like, right, right. So that's just what it's called, but it's really not a fryer. It's just a mm -mm. small accessible oven that a blind person or really anyone could easily use. Pretty much because it uses, um, it uses hot air to cook, I believe is how it works. Like, like a convection oven, like it circulates mm -hmm. um, the heat. And you don't have to put any oil in it. At least I, I haven't, other than like, you know, putting a little bit um, on your food before you put it in. Yeah. But it's, it's not like you have to fill it up. Like a traditional, you know, fryer. The, the name is a little misleading. So it's not, right. So it's not a fryer. It's just a really good oven. Right. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. right, right. That sits on the counter. And now is there a, an app for your iPhone that goes with this so you can control it with the app on the phone and all that? I wish that they, they should work on that. I think you just gave them their next big idea. <laughs> mm, mm. I see. I see. That would be, um, I mean, what, what company, I mean, depending on the model that you bought, what company makes it? You said it's beach something. Um, there's Hamilton beach. I know beach. Ninja, like the people that make the Ninja blenders and things, they make one. Um, Pretty much General Electric, proper, probably. No, pretty much everybody that makes um, appliances. Mm hmm All right. All right. Well, that's really good. That's, that's really excellent. All right. So I will tell you, I will tell you a, a little secret. Okay. And, and blind people around the world, because most of you guys at home are blind, will understand 
and will hopefully have some vague compassion for this. It's a bit of a long story, but I live with my parents and my brother. And one of my parents in particular just can't seem to bake the, the, the chocolate chip cookie. Could you please, <laughs> could you please run through it right now? Tell me what the recipe is and tell me the tricks for baking a normal chocolate chip cookie for me to bite into it and for me to say, wow, or <laughs> oh baby, like it has to be that good. Like how to, how to, can, can you just, can you just save me and just tell me how to do it, please? I will, I will absolutely save you because you need to have chocolate chip cookies in your life, especially those big bake shop, chewy. Yeah. You, you need them. So you tell your mom <laughs> that she is gonna need two cups of all-purpose flour. She's gonna need a half teaspoon baking soda, half a teaspoon salt, three-fourths cup unsalted butter melted, and she can just pop that in the microwave and melt it. Okay, so right there, you said that the butter does need to be melted. It does need to be melted, and okay. I believe that's three-fourths cup is equivalent to a stick and a half of butter. And you want to use the unsalted because if you use the salted, your cookies will come out salty because you're going to be putting a half a teaspoon of salt in it already. So you want to use the unsalted butter. And then you're going to want uh, one cup of packed brown sugar. You can use the light or the dark. It does not matter. A half a cup of white sugar, one tablespoon of vanilla extract, one egg, one egg yolk, and two cups of semi-sweet chocolate chips. And what you're gonna wanna do is first preheat your oven, your regular oven, because the air fryer is too small for this. So you're gonna wanna heat it to 325 degrees. And what I do is I have a very large cookie sheet and I like to put parchment paper down because the cleanup is a lot easier, but you can just grease it with Crisco or Pam, but um, I like to use the parchment paper. And this is really important. So what you guys are gonna wanna do is you're gonna wanna stir together all of the dry ingredients first. And your dry ingredients would consist of the flour, the baking soda, and the salt. And you're gonna to wanna to mix that all together and then you're gonna mix up your wet ingredients, which are all of the remaining ingredients, except for the chocolate chips. And you're going to slowly add those dry ingredients to your wet ingredients. Ah, this is that's something important. she's, this is the trick. Okay, there, the that's, that's what does it. So there has to be a separate, there has to be a pause in the action mm -hmm. between the ingredient coordination. Yes. Okay. So yes. then she adds- it in one bowl. So then she, okay, so then she adds, so she adds the dry mm -hmm. stuff to the already mixed wet stuff. Correct, yes. Got it. If you mix it all in one bowl, it just does not turn out right. It tastes different. The consistency is different. It doesn't cook the same. I don't know what it is, but yes, is the that answer, is the secret. <laughs> well, the answer is you're better off not asking me. You're better off asking someone else who was on my podcast, the great Stuart Salek 
who is actually in university to be a professional pastry chef. He would know, he would be able to correct both of us on the technicality. I would guess that's chemistry is what I would say. It has to do with the chemistry, chemical components of those ingredients is the answer. But he would know. That's immensely, that is immensely helpful information. Okay, got it. And then what? So by the way, so temperature 325 for her. Um, Mm -hmm. She can use a sheet. Um, And then 325 for how long? Um, for, I use a gas oven and I know that ovens vary. Um, sometimes I know with electric ovens, they take longer to heat up and they don't get as hot. Well, 325, well, 325 should be 325, but yes, you're right. So, um, I would say 15 to 17 minutes, but start with 15 minutes. Mm Mm-hmm. And once you have everything mixed up, you're going to want to drop the cookies by one fourth of a cup. So you're going to get out a fourth of a cup and that's going to be your measurement for the cookies. Like they're going to be huge. They're going to be probably about the size of your hand. That's why it takes them so long to cook. What do you mean? What do you mean? Okay. So now you mean you take a fourth of a cup, you take the fourth cup measurement and that's the Mm -hmm. amount of batter that mm-hmm. you would then put onto the sheet, correct? Right, right. Okay, got it, got it, okay, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Right, right, and then you're gonna wanna put them like three inches apart because they will expand Critical. pretty pretty oh, large, Three yeah. inches, okay, wow. Yeah, boy, oh boy, am I glad to, t- even even Stuart wasn't this good. I mean, you're giving me the measurements, you're giving me the math yeah. here. I mean, wow, okay, got all that. Mm-hmm. You need the proximities. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. But when, once you lay them all on your cookie sheet, um, I can usually, and I have a really large sheet, I can usually fit only four on mine. So if you have a smaller one, I would only put two on there at a time. It might take you a while to, you might be baking all day, but it'll be worth it. Good. And good. Um, that that is it. Once they come out of the oven, you'll want to let them cool for like, two to three minutes before you can try and move them mm-hmm. uh-huh. and um yeah if you have a wire rack that would be um that would be choice to put them on a wire rack so they could cool but you you don't need one well thank you for that i will i will remember all of those details i mean that's critically more advanced than what my mother has been preparing so that's a lot of <laughs> That's a lot of like really good tips for baking really, really good cookies. I mean, that's really advanced, but I will, I will definitely uh, help her to give that a try to see if we can recover these cookies. And All if right. I can, I will certainly, I will certainly, guys, I will certainly let Anastasia know that I'm sure that will work great. All right. Well, I tell you what, what has been, let me, let me ask you just a couple more questions. We've been on mm-hmm. for maybe 30 minutes. Okay. Um, uh, not, not too much longer. I got other things, you know, we all have, you know, I have other things, right. other things going on. Um, but I do, I do want two big questions and then I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the last word, the closing argument, basically. So what has been, um, what has been your greatest, uh, and you can be funny about it, your greatest failure that you've had so far, your greatest blooper that you've had in the kitchen so far? Oh gosh. Um, well, I, I was, let me think what I was making. I was making some sort of, I think it was taco soup or something, some, some crazy recipe that I found on Pinterest. 
and I used the most expired cheese that you could think of. It was green. I didn't know it was green. Oh. Uh, someone told me this. <laughs> it was green. It was like mushy. And I, I didn't realize there was anything wrong with it until I went to go take a bite of it. And <laughs> that's not the first time I've eaten something expired. You had, to, you, had to get, you had to get a new beer and everything. You spit out your beer. You had to get more beer and all of that. Okay. Uh, all yeah. right. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was kind of gross. Well, but you know <laughs> what? You know what? Live, live and learn. All chefs do it. You know, every chef has a mistake. And at some point you cook and you're just going to completely, completely bollocks something like that. You know, that, that happens. Your greatest success. My greatest success. Um, I would say that would be my cookies. Because every, everybody seems to love them. And I always get compliments that they are the greatest chocolate chip cookies that they have had in their entire life so that always makes me feel really really good always makes me feel really really good well you know what anastasia i think our listeners felt really really good listening to your story this evening a very important story a very serious story and a very positive story do you have any questions for me um I, I don't think so. All right. Well, you know what? I got a couple more things to say. Just a couple more things. Okay. As I like to say, um, I will get this out to you as soon as I can get this published. It'll be probably in a couple of hours. You might see it. Actually, the sooner you can get me your channel, I will get this back out to you. All right. right. Okay. So thank you so much, Anastasia Danielle. You are always welcome. Always, always, always welcome on Aaron's Opinion. You'll be added to my WhatsApp group and you're a great friend to our show. We are so happy to have you on Aaron's Opinion. If you have any questions about life, anything, anything's going on, you just, just reach out to me and tell me what's going on because I just love recording episodes of this podcast for people to tell their interesting and entertaining stories from all over the world. All right then, well, I really, I really, really enjoyed that, guys. As I like to say, a couple things. Number one, have a good day today. Number two, have a great day tomorrow. Number three, I'm going to bake some cookies. Okay, bye. I'm done. Come stay and play at Live Casino and Hotel. Welcome to one of the biggest casinos in the country with luxurious, clean rooms, upscale dining in the grandest payouts now offering stay and play and all in packages including $50 free slot play VIP parking VIP casino access and more book now at livecasino.com or call 443-445-2929 at Arundel Mills must be 21 please play responsibly for help visit mdgambling.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER it's time for pumpkin flavors and new fall favorites at Dunkin and also some tough decisions. Like, do I want a signature pumpkin spice ice latte? A brand new oat milk latte? A new chai latte? Or a pumpkin iced coffee? Oh, and the bakery. Do I want a pumpkin donut or... Uh, there are other people behind you in this drive-thru. Oh, uh, I'll just take it all. Okay. It's all the cozy you crave at Dunkin'. Pumpkin favorites and new fall additions, like new creamy without the dairy oat milk lattes and the signature pumpkin spice ice latte, plus more. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.